Hello, and welcome to the Pinocchio Project. I'm Mitch Friedman, and in my experience as a husband, a father, a church planter, a pastor, and a university professor, I've discovered that everyday ideas on human flourishing have significant consequences. Our goal here at the Pinocchio Project is to examine these everyday ideas to see if they actually deliver on their promises. Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. This is Mitch Friedman, and today, Friday, May the 6th, we will continue our discussion on a secular worldview that's rooted in a humanistic philosophy as we continue in our goal to evaluate everyday ideas that promise human flourishing and examine them through a biblical lens. And as we said in our last podcast, the secular worldview is the most prevalent uh, on the street where you live. It it, uh, originated in the ivory towers even longer than decades ago and has made its way from ideas to assumptions to behaviors and now practice uh, in in your neighborhood, in your schools, uh, in your businesses, and it's probably embedded in you even more than you know. But what we want to do today is uh, we want to affirm that as image bearers, uh, God has created everyone in his image. Uh, part of that image bearing is the need, the impulse, the necessity to worship or to have faith in a, in a someone or a something or a system, uh, the need to be attached to an idea or a system that will satisfy the four worldview questions. And those worldview questions, as we've said before, are questions of what does it mean to be human? What's wrong with this world? What can be done to fix it? And where is this whole thing going? And so today we want to compare and contrast a secular worldview as a faith system uh, to a biblical worldview as a faith system as well. In each of those four questions, what does it mean to be human? What's wrong with the world? What could be done to fix it? And where is this thing going? And uh, last time we talked about the, the tenets of secularism, and one of the main tenets of secularism as a faith system is that it doesn't allow for faith. Uh, Hold on. What? Excuse me? Uh, What I mean is uh, the secular worldview has no place in its tent for the nose of the transcendent camel to stick his nose in, meaning God has no place, purpose, or possibility in a secular worldview. And the goal of a secular worldview is to create a public square where there is no mention or influence of any transcendent or divine influence at all. And so as we move through these uh, compare and contrast of these four questions, uh, I'm going to pause and, and just ask you questions about what you think the implications of answering worldview questions from a secular perspective. Uh, what do you think the impact is on you personally? Uh, on your family, especially your children, and then your community and culture. And so let's just get started right away. Uh, The question of origins, or what does it mean to be human? Uh, A secular worldview operates in the assumption uh, of a Darwinian philosophy, or what we call a naturalistic philosophy, uh, which assumes that there was no design, uh, no intent, uh, no mind behind the creation of what you see in the mirror. You are merely a set of random, undirected 
accidental processes over time that is offered by a pitiless, uh, to quote Richard Dawkins, a pitiless universe. And so what we have is an unfeeling, uncaring set of processes that now somehow over time have resulted in who or what you see in the mirror. Now, a biblical worldview, by contrast, recognizes that each of us, as we look in the mirror, sees someone of intrinsic value, regardless of our capacities, regardless of our abilities, but simply we have been given the image of God, which creates some unique capabilities, among which is the need to answer these four worldview questions of what does it mean to be human, what's wrong with this place, what can be done to fix it, and where is all this going? So when you look in the mirror according to a biblical worldview, you see someone of inestimable worth, both inside the womb and outside the womb. The biblical perspective is that God decides and designs every human life in order to live out in full capacity his image and therefore bring him glory. Uh, So let's pause for a second and compare and contrast the implications of a secular worldview where I am a set of random processes and purely accidental with no design and no purpose to a biblical worldview where I am someone of inestimable worth regardless of my capacities and I do have design and I do have purpose and I do have a divine lawgiver that I can trust to offer me what I need uh, for ethical, moral responsibility and how I am to conduct myself under his leadership. I'm going to pause and let you consider the difference. What do you think the implications are for children who have been taught in public school settings now for decades, uh, basically the concept of what I would call a Darwinian view or a materialistic view or an evolutionary view of how they came to be? What do you think the result is over time of having repeated, reinforced uh, to your children the message that they are simply a set of random accidental processes over time. What would happen when the question naturally arises of purpose, naturally arises about design, naturally arises about the meaning of life, and yet they're grounded in this evolutionary mindset of their accidental existence? Uh, I can offer from experience in my pastoral ministry and in coaching and training my own children, that the result is most often despair. When things get difficult, there is nothing beyond myself or themselves to trust, to reinforce that they are someone of intrinsic, inestimable worth. And we see this being played out in tragic, manifold ways with our rise among our young people of mental health crises and suicides And the the results of of this worldview, like every worldview, are shown to be unreliable when it comes to promises of human flourishing. It's actually human degrading. And so when we talk about ideas having consequences, good ideas about flourishing actually bring life. Bad ideas create victims, and those victims are tragically most often children. 
Now let's move to the next question of worldview necessity, and that is what's wrong with this place? A secular agenda uh, would offer a few possibilities about what's wrong. One would be the insistence that there is a transcendent, there is a divine, there is a God, uh, because a secular worldview insists that there is absolutely no way to prove God scientifically, and that is the basis, that is the worship foundation, that is the faith center of a humanistic secular agenda, is that science is Lord. And since we can't, according to the secularists, see God, since we can't test God, since we can't repeat God, therefore God is not allowed into the equation of possibility. And so one of the big problems assailing the culture is the insistence that God exists and therefore takes people into fantasies and takes them into places that are unreliable and inconsistent and allows them to hide from the real problems of life. Another problem for the secular scientist is the fact that there are other scientists who insist on reminding them that historically all the best science has been done by people with a firm commitment to the creative God who placed everything that they see around them in order and in sequence and in reproducible multiplication and generation. All the best science throughout history has been accomplished by scientists with a firm commitment to God as creator. Couched in in most recent terms over the last few decades, those scientists are a problem to be canceled because they have allowed the unimaginable into the tent, and that is the transcendent God. Uh, Another problem for the secular agenda Uh, when it comes to what's wrong with the world, is the fact that any teaching that does not keep science at its center as the point and framework of main focus and worship must be ejected. And it's amazing if you look at the contradiction in that worldview statement, because the primary difficulty that I have Uh, with this necessity of science as faith foundation in a secular agenda is not the fact that science should be valued. Science should be valued, but we're saying good science. The definition of science is the absolute openness to any and all knowledge and information that can help us solve these hypotheses of how the world is made, how it works, how the natural processes uh, produce and reproduce similar results. Uh, But when you exclude God as a possible uh, source or ingredient in a scientific method, then you've automatically violated the scientific method. And if you look plainly and simply at the history of what we would call evolutionary processes and uh, the generation and perpetuation of species and species change over time, there is no framework, there is no foundation, there is no consistent fossil record that supports the idea and the theory of evolution as the explanatory formula for life. Absolutely none. 
And it's amazing to me the capacity for human deception when it comes to our unwillingness to allow God into the conversation. It becomes necessary to go further and further afield with all kinds of uh, more and more strange explanations, uh, such as what what we call punctuated equilibrium, that somehow the fossil record was consistent with change over time or adaptation within species, and then uh, shazam, uh, there's a huge gap and we can't explain it. Uh, All we see is the appearance of an entire new species, but since we can't allow God to create anything new, it must be random chance over time. We describe a leap from one species to the next that just somehow happened uh, without explanation, which violates the scientific method. I know I've gotten a little bit far afield here, but the biblical answer to what's wrong with the world is absolutely sin. Uh, See, from a secularist agenda, when it comes to ethics and moral behavior, uh, there is no grounding because there is no transcendent lawgiver. In a biblical worldview, There is a transcendent worldview. God has plainly uh, given us through his text and through his revelation in creation, uh, through what we see in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as he sacrificed himself for our sin. We see that sin is the problem uh, in all ethical situations. I exist uh, as a sinner to primarily protect myself, promote myself, indulge myself, and impose my agenda. Uh, There is no such thing as good or evil in a secular worldview when it comes to ethical behavior. And yet somehow uh, a secularist can write books called Good Without God. Well, how can you describe a good if there is no common definition and understanding of what is good? How can you describe evil if there's no common transcendent absolute understanding of what is evil? And so there are so many contradictions uh, in this worldview in every one of these questions, particularly uh, as we talk about what's wrong with the world when it comes to human behavior. If there is no good and there is no evil, then please stop talking about what it means to be good or what it means to be evil, because there are simply subjective answers uh, for everyone who looks in the mirror. Thirdly, what's to be done about these problems? Uh, From a secular worldview perspective, what's to be done is that we cancel anyone who has anything to say about God uh, as either creator or lawgiver or the source of ultimate absolute morality, Uh, and we insist upon exiting all kinds of conversations about the divine or the transcendent morality from the public square, and we insist that any sort of behavior Uh, as long as it brings happiness, uh, I put that in air quotes, uh, is provided to the one who is acting. Uh, The biblical perspective on redemption or solutions is Jesus Christ now who gives us back our humanity and creates for us a new opportunity to live out the mandates we were given as ones made with divine design and purpose and commands to form and fill the earth. And finally, Uh, As far as destinations go, uh, biblically we would call that restoration. Uh, There is no next step for the secular agenda because since we are merely a set of physical processes, once the last atom dies, once the last spark is snuffed, it's lights out and there is nothing beyond. 
in the biblical worldview, there is the beautiful promise that this world is a beautiful shadow, beautiful and broken. And we work now as redeemed image bearers to be a force for good and offer the moral, beautiful gospel ideas uh, to a culture in desperation while we await for the ultimate restoration of God bringing to us the new heavens and the new earth where every tear will be dried. Death will be no more. There will be no more pain. And this is the promise of the restoration of all things in God's plan for humanity. And so I said a lot in a short time. I know it's really rich. I think we're about 16 minutes in. Uh, but what I encourage you to do is to uh, talk to your kids about what they're learning in school about themselves uh, as a concerned parent. What I'd like you to do uh, as an image bearer is to recognize uh, that you are someone created with inestimable worth and value regardless of your capacity. Simply because God has knit you together in his image, you are now of the highest value. And if, if you're struggling with uh, despair and desperation, I encourage you to seek someone out uh, who can remind you of these beautiful truths. If you're someone locked and enslaved in the secular worldview, I encourage you to continue to investigate the possibility that the ideas that you're embracing are going to have consequences that will bring outcomes other than what you desire. And there are alternate ideas that are based in the one that you might have excluded to this point and his plan and his desire. And the possibilities of life in him are so much grander than the fruitless, purposeless existence now and the lights out, door closed, vault locked as you breathe your last. Until we meet again, this is Mitch Friedman for The Pinocchio Project. Thanks so much for being with us on The Pinocchio Project today. If this podcast has value for you, please subscribe or follow, give us a five-star rating, and share. If you have an everyday idea you'd like to submit for us to examine, simply email us at pinocchioprojectpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at pinocchiopod, or you can hit the links in the show notes below. Thanks again for listening, and remember, your everyday ideas have significant consequences.